This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories on your daily delivery, all things Dog Pound, as we sit down for your packed auto pregame show ahead of Monday Night Football. Uh, Go ahead, obviously, check out the packed auto app. Get yourself a quote quick within 90 seconds. Find a way to pause your car insurance. We appreciate everybody over at Packed Auto for the sponsorship of the pre and post game shows of Locked On Browns. Uh, here we go again, Pete. Now, obviously, you know three prime primetime games in five weeks. Uh, you're just trying to manipulate the schedule as it comes, and yet now another foe here on the schedule coming in with a decent resume. Uh, the Niners to this point three and zero. Um, we have some thoughts on them being three and zero. We have some thoughts on their quarterback. Um, but if, just before we even get into a deep, like, look, this is this is winnable if this team goes in there. This Cleveland Browns team goes in there and does what they're supposed to do. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it's you know, if you go out and, and you beat them on the road, you know, it's harder and harder, sort of. Uh, dismiss them or any of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's an awkward game because they're coming off their bye week. But, again, I mean, you're 2-0 on the road. If you went 3-0, I mean, it's really hard not to not to do something really special if you start out that early because they're going to have a lot of other road games that aren't that difficult. Uh, and they've arguably knocked out uh, the second hardest they'll play this year. So, I mean, yeah, if you, if you roll another win on the road, you know, they're going to get things figured out at home at some point. And yeah, you're, you're pretty much setting yourself up for success. You know, I think the advantage with home and obviously we'll get to this for the weekend in Seattle is you may go full health and full people off of suspension Callaway, not hunt, but we'll get to that. Uh, Cleveland Browns O versus the Niners D. Um, this is the week, Pete, here. We are going to have Odell Beckham. You are going to have Jarvis Landry. You are going to have Rashard Higgins. You are going to have Antonio Callaway. You're going to have Damian Ratley if you want to use him in sets. Um, you found a way to make this three tight end rotation work last week without David Njoku. You were able to get Hilliard involved a little bit last week. You've got Nick Chubb. Um, Freddie's got to stick with the motion and try and create mismatches, getting the line quicker, um, be the aggressor as far as offense. Don't let them get you in a position where you're not sure what they're doing. Dictate the pace, dictate with coverages, with motion, so they have to adjust to it and you know what's coming. But you've got all the recipes now. Um, Follow the damn (laughs) – you got you got all the ingredients. You got the recipe. Follow everything and go put together what should be a nice meal. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, you are flirting with almost being healthy. I mean, c- considering where this team started, and obviously um, they've got a ways to go. But like, if you look at it from the standpoint, at least offensively, if you know you are within distance of being able to see players like Kareem Hunt, potentially David Njoku coming back, uh, you know, Higgins, if he's out there, would be great. I, I expect he will be. Um, you're, you're 
getting close to the point where you you're sort of seeing everything uh, getting to be full strength, and you can sort of you're getting that right as you're rounding into form, and then as that happens, it hopefully becomes more of a downhill trek as opposed to you know where they are right now, where you're trying to figure out who you are, and you're losing guys that are sort of are supposed to be a big part of that, and that's always an awkward and difficult transition to do sort of on the fly, and you know hopefully last week was a breakthrough, and now you get to add to that. Antonio Callaway and Richard Higgins, and that can sort of make things better and better, and hopefully that can transition to results, especially because uh, the position that a couple of those guys play in receiver is going against a secondary for the 49ers that is, uh, particularly corner, is hurt. And they may have to play some safe, you know, some safeties at some other spots, they may be in some big nickel stuff to sort of account for the fact that they're missing so many guys at corner. Uh, I guess then we'll kick it right off here and we'll go to the secondary. Um, and we've already talked about this. Um, look, even if they had Jason Verrett, uh, there's there's no answer here essentially for Odell where it's, all right, well, he can handle that. Not that there's many teams can, um, but at least Baltimore can say, look, well, you know, we're going to let Marlon Humphrey die trying. We'll have some help over the top but at least you have that guy. Richard Sherman was not a good matchup for Odell Beckham in 2014 when he was a rookie. He had, uh, I believe that day was seven for 108. Uh, last year, I believe it was three for 76 and two scores when Odell played this secondary. He's he's already looked good against this group. They're banged up. Uh, Jimmy Ward, it seems like they're happy. He's going to be here. Um, he has a hand injury. He's going to wear some sort of protector on it. Not that Jimmy Ward's ever been a world beater anyway essentially but this secondary and you know you've got Sherman who Odell is not a good matchup for uh you're trotting out a rookie on the other side this it's 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 a terrible mismatch and it's a terrible week San Francisco secondary wise for Russia Richard Higgins to be back which looks like it's going to be Jarvis Landry to get out of the concussion protocol to be able to participate in this game and for Antonio Callaway to come off suspension for this game right um you know, Jarvis Landry's biggest attribute is beating zone. And you get him back out of the concussion protocol, which doesn't sound like it was actually a concussion, but that's sort of how that thing can work. Um, but it's, you know, hopefully that means, you know, he's legit healthy and ready to go. Uh, but if that's the case, you get Odell Beckham, who's already a mismatch, and then you get your best, you know, guy who's, a zone beater who's playing against a heavy zone team. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a guy that can come in and, and sort of have a natural role and hopefully build on what they were doing with him last week, you know, that, that could be really beneficial. And then you have these other guys like Callaway and Higgins and, you know, wherever this thing goes with Ricky Shields Jones and some of those other guys, um, you know, I, I don't get caught up too much in the personnel groups, I think, because having watched, the take uh ha- having watched the tape of it um it a lot of it was you, you know they started in double tights and then motioned into something that didn't you know was just a left slot or something so richie shields jones is technically a tight end but he was just in the slot which a lot of guys can do so and just like uh and even farrell brown was motioning into essentially what was you know 21 personnel or you know 
20 personnel where he was motioning and going playing fullback like they did last year with Orson Charles. Right. I think it's, you know, I, I'm not discounting that there's a benefit to having 12 personnel based on what they're doing. I just look at it as if you get good players out there and you put them in positions to succeed, you're going to be effective, whether that's, you know, four receivers, whether that's three tailbacks, whatever, if you execute on offense, to some point, it's not going to matter how you sort of go with personnel. But, you know, if that continues to be successful, who might argue with it? Well, but the other thing is, also, you want to be able to use it all. You want to be able to mix and match it. And as far as, you know, going 10 personnel, they didn't have the manpower. Um, you look at it this week. Last week, they finished the game with Taiwan Taylor and Damian Ratley. Uh, you didn't have enough. Now, if you need to do it, you can go that route. If you choose to do it or want to do it, you can go that route. They did not have that option last week. Uh, the linebacker crew. Look, this is a good group. Uh, Quan Alexander, so far, you know, even well, you know, the money. <laughs> Oof, for a guy coming off an ACL, it's a lot of money. Quan Alexander, uh, obviously Bobby Wagner, uh, Greenlaw, the kid out of Auburn. They're a good group, but again, Pete, I mean, this is one where, you know, I don't necessarily care about any linebacker group as much as I have a strong amount of faith in Nick Chubb. Well, look, I mean, uh, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, and Dre Greenlaw are athletic. Uh, Fred Warner and, and Quan Alexander in particular. But, you know, when you get to the, and they, and they want to play in a world where they can send four up and have those guys fly around behind. So naturally, what you tend to want to do against guys like that is you want to put bodies on them. And if you, whether that's getting press pressure from, you know, a double team getting to the second level and sort of keeping them out from being able to run around and make plays, shielding them from the play, or that means putting a dude on them, whether it's Farrell Brown as a tail, as a, as a fullback type thing or a, or a wing or whatever, if that's Jarvis Landry or another tight end cracking, um, it doesn't matter. But the bottom line is, you want to put bodies on those type of guys so they can't do that. And they want you to try to go side to side. Um, and they want their defensive line to sort of force you to do that. Where if you get enough blocking, um, it's, it's, it's a big task, but, I, but I, I certainly think it's doable is that if you get that done, then Nick Chubb is sort of getting guys who aren't able to sort of run and get some momentum as they're hitting you. He's sort of getting them as they're trying to grab on and take them down you know, he's going to win that battle and he's going to potentially get into the secondary and make some of those plays. So, you know, whether that's, you know, necessarily a particular scheming of, of things or just getting your guys to to do the job they're supposed to do, you know, with polls, whatever, I don't care. If you can get to the second level uh, and, and get bodies on those linebackers, I think it, it, it you know, sort of neutralizes a big part of what they do well because, you know, they've got some guys that will come up, like Jaquiski Tart is a guy who's willing to come up and make tackles. But it's not like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, somebody who's got to light guys up. It's a situation where that's what you want. You want Nick Chubb on a DB. And if you get that, you're going to win. You're going to win a lot. And, and Nick Chubb may break one of those and, and go a long way. But if you can just obstruct, block, slow down, whatever – Quan Alexander is not going to have a fun time, and 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 Fred Warner is not going to have a fun, fun time. So if you get that done, you're going to be happy. It's it, it just and for me it's it's it 
continuing to, I don't want to say feature Chubb, but, you know, get into it. Remember, and I go back to that Houston game last year where, you know, they got away from the run so early and it's what led to a very, very crappy first half and what led to a loss. You've got to remember, you've got to have some commitment to him because Nick is that special. And, you know, I even remember last week early in the game, we're getting a lot of Nick Chubb early. We're getting a lot, a lot of Nick Chubb early. But and that's also part of it is is because Nick's physical. And in, if you took anything away from him being mic'd up, which, you know, <laughs> you didn't get anything away from Nick Chubb speaking. What you got a lot of was thump, thump, thump on each and every rub. Nick Chubb gets 10 carries, say even in the first half, first 20 minutes of the game. He gives it as good as somebody's going to get it. And now you've got guys who are, you know, a little aching, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, so maybe they ain't running as quick as possible. Then you can start running those crossers that Landry was having success with. You can now add Higgins into that. You can kind of do it with Callaway too. Maybe now you can start to use Odell in a little bit of every type of thing. They kind of just been keeping him outside, running deeper routes with him, open him up a little bit more because guys are going to get beat up a little bit in this running game. This defensive line for this 49ers, um, you know, I've been asked because I did a couple of positive 49ers guys this week, you know, which one is better? Look, I don't watch enough of San Francisco to know which one is better. Do I think Miles Garrett is the best one in the group? Yeah, so that's usually where I would tip my hat. But, you know, you add Bosa here, uh, D Ford, eh, and, you know, he's questionable going into the game, but he practiced today's player, and he's supposed to be there. Uh, DeForest Buckner, yeah, he's going to play. DeForest Buckner, he's an interesting one, Pete. Uh, so D Ford is dealing with some tendonitis issues and something else on top of it. So basically his standard operating procedure for this year is basically he ain't practicing. He just yeah. got to basically show up for games, um, which is sort of the deal with D Ford. Unfortunately, he's sort of the reason he's not a Kansas city chief. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, like he was such a big deal coming off that, uh, that last year, but I mean, he, he's been in the league five years. He's been like really good in one of them, pretty good in another, and then three pretty listless years. Um, and that's a big reason why he just has struggled with his health. Um, DeForest Buckner is a stud. Uh, I, I, he was for that year. He was my second best prospect in the draft behind Carson Wentz. Um, I had a Bosa, I had a whatever. He's, he was just special. He's got everything you want. He's tall, He's long, he's very quick, he's, he's strong, and he's the engine that makes that thing go. Um, he is a, a pain to deal with in that division if you're Russell Wilson, and he's a pain to deal with in this matchup if you're Baker Mayfield because if he gets into the backfield, he may obstruct your view because he's so damn tall. Um, and, and if he extends his arm out, arms out, he's enormous, and, and they've got that with Eric Armstead as well. But DeForest Buckner is just a terrific player. That there's just not very many guys like him in the league. You know, he's he's basically you know built similar to Julius Peppers in terms of his length and, and size. But obviously a defensive tackle, and they can move him around and do those things. So yeah, I mean, Miles Garrett is is far and away the best on the field. But if if you're going, who's the second best? Uh, it's Buckner. You know, out of the, out of that group, and he. You know, even though the 49ers have been bad the last couple of years, he has been outstanding. And I think partly because he's in San Francisco and they have been bad is he's gotten overlooked. But he is tremendous and he's absolutely worth watching uh, with that. And, and if they line him up over 
Eric Cush, that could be a difficult time with him if he's smart and embraces his power. I think if he gets too caught up trying to be athletic um, and trying to run around and through blocks and doesn't mix it up, he may may take himself out of it. But if he's smart and and you know really embraces that speed, the power he has the ability to do, he can he can do some damage. Yeah, it's it's an impressive group, um, and I'll I'll reiterate this again. If you really like good defensive line play, you are probably really going to enjoy this Monday night matchup because there's a bunch of them. Even in even when in you add in the reserves on the Browns, and keep in mind that Solomon Thomas is early the draft pick as he was, although he's not doing much. He's a talented player, has never really had to translate. He's fifth or sixth on the 49ers defensive line rotation. Today's locked on Browns is sponsored by Pact Car Insurance. Here's a question I've always wondered. Why do you always have to pay for your car insurance when you necessarily don't always use your car? We're in an era of Uber, Lyft, people commute to work. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way to pause your car insurance? Well, there is. Use the Pact Auto Insurance app. It is a top five rated car insurance app because you can get a quote instantly, change your policy for free, and now pause your coverage. Available on both iPhone and Android. Go to PactAuto.com. That's P-A-C-T Auto.com to get a quote and start imagining the pause abilities. Pete, you had something there. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, their seventh defensive lineman is Ronald Blair, and he's one of the six guys they have with a sack. Their their defensive line has... He's actually been ruled out, so we're good on that front. Well, I, I just mean in terms yep, of exactly both teams are extremely down deep. the line. Yep. I mean they have they they, they don't they don't expect and I, I don't know if they what the percentages are on their blitzing, but in terms of actual production, they have nine sacks as a team and all nine of them are from six defensive linemen. So they, they go deep. And yet when Ronald Blair is your seventh defensive lineman, you're doing doing well. Um they just they not only do they have talent they have versatility so they can move a guy like eric eric armstead up and down the line they can move a guy like DeForest buckner up the line um and and i would be interested to see if um they you know how that works out where who who do the browns move around who the 49ers move around i mean it seems a little more simplistic with the browns put miles garrett over just in school uh but you know that those matchups and how they sort of change things um, you know, if some if teams borrow from what the Rams were trying to do with Aaron Donald or not, I mean that's the thing is the 49ers can line up four four guys anywhere they want, and at least three of them are are are, are guys who can get to the quarterback. Yeah, and that was even some of the thing because uh, you know guys with every opponent, I take heat on social media each week now. So this week, the, the 49ers fans, well, they are averaging three sacks a game. They have nine sacks or three games. The Browns are averaging three and a half sacks a game through four. So. I'm not too concerned in that that part. Obviously, we're going to go to the defensive side of it here. Pete, Steve Wilkes didn't do much last year as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. One thing he did, and granted Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play either of those games, is he swept the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I believe Kittle, it was, I want to say like six catches for 55 yards was his average in the two games. Something of that nature. So this is one where it's kind of like, all right, Steve, go do your thing. You kind of know this product pretty well. You know, let's go see what you got, and we'll get to more here, obviously. And you guys know Pete and I's thoughts on Jimmy J. 
Well, look, they had C.J. Beathard in for those two games. Uh, and, and, you know, take that for what's worth. He's ultimately, I think, their third string now. Maybe he is their backup again. I don't know. But um, if you're looking at the, the team Arizona had, obviously Patrick Peterson is the best corner in football. If he's not the best, he's the second best. Obviously, suspended right now. Um, and they had Chandler Jones. Other than that, you know, not – a great group over there. Um, so even if you want to take the CJ Beathard angle and say, well, they didn't have their guy. I'm still, you know, we obviously have some major questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, but Steve Wilkes scheme between the two games uh, held the 40, held the 49ers and, and Kyle Shanahan's offense to 4.6 yards per play. And to put that in context, the Baltimore Ravens last year had the best season worth of yards uh, per play um, of 4.7. So 4.6 is dominating. Um, and they had to be because the, the 49ers ran something like 155 plays in those two games, which is insane. That's a ton of plays. And yet uh, the Cardinals defense was able to cause five turnovers in the one game uh, and just shut down the 49er offense in the other game, which enabled uh, in that second game, these happened three weeks apart in October, uh, enabled a 15-point comeback or 15 points in the fourth quarter, which ultimately secured a 18-15 to 15 win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I it's one of those things where I sort of look at Arizona and looking through this and, and wondering why did they really get rid of this guy? And, I'm, you know, there's probably <laughs> more to it, and obviously – they made it so, some of the decision based on what was coming in the draft and all that stuff and, and the quote-unquote hot name, whatever. But I, I can't imagine having a guy I'd rather have running this defense heading into San Francisco and you know dealing with Kyle Shanahan than Steve Wilkes, who now obviously they have, Kyle, they have uh, Jimmy Garoppolo back, they have Devo Samuel, they have you know a bunch of guys they've added. Um, and meanwhile, Steve Wilkes gets Miles Garrett, you know, Olivier Vernon, the rest of that defensive line, Joe Schobert. Uh, he doesn't have anybody near Patrick Peterson level, but he's not hurting for talent. So, you know, right now, obviously they had an extra week to prepare for it, but I have to think the Browns defense has to be incredibly confident. And, and you know, I think Steve Wilkes to this point has done a tremendous job in terms of game plans and schemes. So, I think in that sense, despite the extra week of preparation, I think the Browns are in fantastic hands from that matchup standpoint. Yeah, well, I think for Wilkes, it's like, all right, well, all right, let me go back to what I have. Okay, well, now I can add this because I have a better guy there. Now I can add that because I have a better guy there. Um, so, it, it, you know, if, if they were to get caught with their pants down, it would be extremely surprising in that aspect of it. Um, when I talked with Eric Davis now, Eric Davis, uh, if you guys listen to the show, Eric Davis, a former All-Pro, still covers the 49ers, does a pregame, postgame show through the uh, Blev Podcast Network. And, you know, I asked about, you know, Kittle's slow start, and I asked him about, you know, who's the best, you know, wide receiver on this team. And he essentially said, the problem is, is you have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is, I think, now in his sixth year in the NFL. And has barely played. He says, none of these guys know Jimmy. That's the problem. He's like, I don't know what wide receiver is going to work with Jimmy Garoppolo. He says, George Kittle, he's barely played with Jimmy Garoppolo. And this is the thing. It's weird that he, you know, he's six years, makes all this money. 
And I'm pretty sure he, Pete, he's got less career starts than Baker Mayfield. He does. Um, and look, he operated those first couple of years, the games he played somewhat in the bubble uh, with the Patriots and, and didn't have a chance to really get, you know, really explored and exploited by opposing teams. That seems to be happening now. And I don't think he reads defenses particularly well. I think he gets fooled a lot. I think he's a tremendous accurate quarterback in terms of the throws he can make and, and his completion percentage and his yards per attempt are crazy. Um, but having said that, I, I think he throws a lot of interceptions because he doesn't read defenses particularly well, or he gets fooled on those things and he is very accurate. So when he, he doesn't miss necessarily, it's, he's just not seeing the right thing. And as a result, his interception rate over the past three years, and granted, like three starts each, or, you know, some small amount of starts each year, um, has gone up. So right now he's at 4.8%, which is really, really high. Uh, so the bottom line is the 49ers give up the ball, particularly on interceptions. Um, the bad news is the 49ers take away the ball really well, and the Browns are in the same boat. So they're both, I think, basically even on the turnover front. Uh, but it's both have high numbers in both categories, which, you know, potentially has the uh, ability to flip this game one way or the other. If one team sort of handles it uh, and takes control of that and the other team doesn't. No, there is that. And the other thing though, is apparently, you know, um, they say when Jim, uh, the numbers say when Jimmy Garoppolo is under pressure, that's usually, does not help the inter, 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 um, interception percentage is higher in that aspect as well. So you got to look at it from that standpoint, but I mean, he's he not, he, he doesn't take sacks. That's the thing. They've only given up two sacks. Yep. So well, he gets rid of the ball. Well, yeah, I mean, the, only two sacks in three games and, and they've got yep. obviously, you know, this third string left tackle. Um, he doesn't take sacks if he can help it, he's going to get rid of the ball. And if you get pressure and you get your guys out there in coverage, you know, that's where those, those, those situations happen and the other area it seems to happen for him is you know when 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 it's in the red zone and the field is shrunken down a little bit that he's going to have a little bit more of a challenge so yeah that's the big thing and it's you know Baker Mayfield's got the same issue right now he's got six interceptions so both guys you know it's it, it, it as so many games do it may all come down to turnovers uh and you know, if, if you win win the turnover battle, generally good things happen, especially if you're trying to go win on the road. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, though, is with Garoppolo, though, is, you know, and with the pass pressure, um, a guy coming off an ACL, I don't think you want Miles Garrett, you know, dropping you four or five times a game. So and that which will lead to let me just get rid of the ball anywhere, uh, which could lead to, you know, maybe possibly, you know, some intentional grounding, things like that. It's stuff to look out for. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't want to get hit. Not a lot of quarterbacks do, and I don't blame him, but he's one that doesn't really want to get hit and especially hit, you know, a year coming off an ACL. Pete, George Kittle has developed into a fantastic player. Uh, great blocker, and this is one thing when I talk with Eric Davis is part of the thing that's held him back in the receiving game this year is if you don't trust your left tackle, what's your first next logical instinct? Find a way to get him some help. You can either chip with running backs or you can keep a really, really good blocking tight end in. It's things they're doing. They're running the ball well. You got two running backs with over 250 yards. You got a third running back with four touchdowns. We have a lot of faith in our defensive line. They've done a really good job for the most part with the running game. Obviously, the Browns, I mean, the Ravens in all their misdirection 
create for issues. Um, but uh, other than George Kittle, is there a name skill-wise on that roster that scares you or would make you say, man, we really got to watch out for that guy? Um, I would say not that scares me. I would. I, I think Debo Samuel is going to be a nice player. He has been a nice player. Um, he, he's got similar to Callaway. In fact, I compared him to Callaway coming out, basically clean Callaway. Um, is he, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a big, thick, rocked up dude who can make yards after the catch because he's bigger. Faster and Quan Bolden. Yeah. The, the, bigger and stronger than, than the defensive backs trying to, uh, tackle him. Um, Dante Pettis is a really good player and he's a difficult player to deal with. You know, the, the question with that is, are they going to play him or not? Because there's been a weird dynamic with that. The only he other got, thing but I he, no, he's another one, though, because he was hurt early last year. So he has zero relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo as well. Right. The only other, the only guy I would sort of say, you know, watch out with is Marquise Goodwin. It's only because, you know, he's a that, legit track guy. He's got that Hollywood Brown aspect to him. Chuck it up. And if you've got backups, or you you know you have a coverage breakdown, then you could see him go flying down the field and 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 spark a big play. You know, that's sort of what the 49ers are right now uh, is is George Kittle and a bunch of utility players who could all become something really good, but they aren't quite aren't there yet. And similar to like the Ravens, you've got a bunch of young pieces um, trying to figure it out. With the exception that George Kittle is a genuine star in that Mark Bavaro type role. Uh, who can do a little bit of everything and is really, really good. But the best thing, obviously, the Browns can do to sort of take him away is to force him to be in the block. Um, and if he's in blocking, he can't be out there catching passes and you have a little bit of a better edge. But if if anything, it's it's potentially the danger is that they have so many different guys, and if you don't account for them all, then the guy you don't account for is the one that's going to end up making a big play and beating you. Yeah, and and this is one thing I've talked about a little bit about this week, is the one thing you do kind of have to worry about is it's almost a little bit of the fear of the unknown. Um, you know, last week it's a little easier. Um, Hollywood Brown can beat you deep. Um, Lamar Jackson can beat you with your legs. Um, you have to watch out Mark Andrews. This week it's George Kittle can beat you. And, you know, almost don't get caught, you know, basically with your hand in the cookie jar where, you know, you were focused on Debo or Pettis or, you know, one of the running backs run, you know, out of the backfield and have Marquise Goodwin beat you for 75. This one's, it's going to require a little bit more discipline in that respect. You know, last week it was more discipline in, you know, everything's going on, a lot of moving parts of the Ravens offense. This week it's a little bit more discipline in stay with your assignment because, you know, don't allow them the big play. Don't allow them something off of a gaff similar to the Mark Andrews touchdown last week. Do your job. Stay with your assignment. We've done the offense. We've done the defense. We got the predictions here and some other stuff uh, as we roll on through here on your Locked On Browns Packed Auto pregame show. Treat yourself the way you deserve to be treated, and have your favorite restaurants cater to you with DoorDash. Look, you work all day, you coach all day, you have kids, long days. Who are we kidding? Eight-hour days don't exist anymore for anybody. You get home, the last thing you want to deal with is thirty-five minutes, forty minutes. So dinner's ready. Go ahead. Download the DoorDash app for your first order of over $15 or more. Get $5 off on Google, on uh, obviously on iTunes. Go ahead and download the DoorDash app. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, 
local restaurants, chain restaurants, make something a little bit easier on one of those busier, crazy days. Like Monday will probably be for Pete and I. DoorDash, something to check out for you guys. Pete, we roll on to prediction time here. Um, again, look, all last weekend, I tried to tell you guys, I, I felt confident about going into the Ravens and winning this game. Look, you're, and, you know, some people, oh, well, you're going across country. Um, and, you know, all oh, the time difference. Look, the Browns have already played three primetime games. Well, I'm sorry, this will be their third primetime game. I don't think this is an oddity in any way. You come off the preseason, Pete, where you play nothing but primetime games in the preseason. I don't think there's really anything about the fact that it's Monday night, the fact that you're traveling. I don't think anything, that aspect has anything to do with any of this. I I, I feel good about this team as long as they do what they're supposed to do going into this game. Right. The big hangup for me is it's on the West Coast, and that is always a difficult trip. I don't care who's making it or any of that, like you can come out and just things aren't working. You look lethargic and they just beat you up. Now, having said that, I do feel good about where the Browns are. Um, and a large part of that is because of Steve Wilkes. I think he's going to force turnovers. Uh, I don't feel as good about the 49ers defense, particularly because they're, they're they, they are hurt in the secondary and the Browns are, are healthier in that respect. So I'm inclined to go with the Browns close um, and probably middle of the road scoring. But I'm, my, my big thing is I think there's going to be a defensive touchdown in this. Oh, my God. You, that was my next point, but go ahead. <laughs> I think somebody's going to score a defensive touchdown. I'm hoping it's the Browns because I think if they do that, they will win. Um, but that may be ultimately the big difference is I think somebody's going to score on defense. There's going to be a pick or a fumble return for a touchdown. I'm hoping uh, Baker Mayfield isn't the one giving it up, but that I feel like is going to be what ultimately decides the game. And where I'm going with this defensive touchdown scenario, I'm going with a Miles Garrett whooping up on, uh, and I apologize the other day to Justin School. He was a six-round pick out of Vanderbilt. I apologize we called him a UDFA. But Miles Garrett harassing Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo into a bad throw to George Kittle, who will most likely be you know covered high low, um, whether it's a Joe Schobert or a Mac Wilson underneath, or maybe even a Jermaine, Jermaine Whitehead with a Demarius Randall over the top, or even a Justin Burris over the top. One of those guys somehow getting themselves a cookie tossed to them and leading to a defensive touchdown. I'll go. I'm figuring 23-17, 23-18. It's so weird with the way, you know, these teams do two-point conversions now. And kicking games are always – so you never know. So at 23-17-18, none of that would shock me. Pete, league-wise, Brown-wise, anything we have not got to? Uh, I don't think so. I think I think we're good. All right. Well, then, Pete, let's post on you boys. Last night, 44 nothing onto the world of 6-0. Uh, the boys from Streetsboro hanging tough. Yeah, uh, that was their homecoming game. Uh, so, did, wait, can I just ask one thing? Did they speed up the second half? Because the two messages you sent me were it was thirty-four nothing at halftime, and then I got the forty-four nothing final message, and it was like it seemed like it had been like thirty-two minutes. Uh, yeah, it, I don't, I don't know how this is everywhere else, but in the state of Ohio, if you're up thirty in the second half, it's a run clock. Um, 
so yeah, big, big, uh, big, big game for the defense. Obviously, securing the shutout, and then you know the offense did what did what they have been doing. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we go on the road next week, but yeah, so far so good. Um, and fun moment, uh, fun moment for me last night. I was able to get out of the house a little bit. Um, one of my uh, college teammates, roommates, um, he's a high school coach here in New Jersey. He's won two state championship. His son made his first start for the town they live in, which is Edison, which is would be central New Jersey. First start at quarterback as a true freshman. Uh, they ended up losing nine six. Uh, he threw for about a buck seventy five. He scored the only touchdown. Just cool because you know it's like we're starting to realize, wow, we're freaking old. But uh, and the other thing is, it's cool because it's our kids' time now, and we get to kind of go ahead and watch them live their lives and you know be the doting parents, doting friends, doting uncles, all that type of stuff. So it's just a cool moment football wise, and you know. The way it works for him is the starting cornerback, starting quarterback at his high school was a senior, broke his collarbone. Um, they're saying it's five to six weeks. The way New Jersey high school football works, they're not going to make a state in any way. Um, they're done usually about the week or so before Thanksgiving. So he's probably going to get this gig for the rest of his freshman year, most likely carried on over for the rest of his existence there. So it's just cool the way this works. And look, Pete and I always geek out a little bit about high school sports. It's fun. We enjoy it. Um, Pete, um, yeah, we're not going to get into this aspect of it, but you know, obviously the Maven platform for you and the Browns Maven, it's getting a lot more eyes. If you guys didn't notice, um, Pete had you know an article put out yesterday through the actual SI Now app on Twitter. Um, go ahead and continue to you know push the work here, dude. And you know, bro, I'm happy for you, man. I am. You put in a lot of work. Well, I appreciate it. Um, you know, we'll we'll see where this thing keeps going, hopefully uh, we'll just keep pumping stuff out uh, and people are happy with what they, what they see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting. It obviously helps that the Browns are uh, worth watching and they're not boring, uh, which is always good. So um, <laughs> no. it's mostly just keeping up and uh, hopefully giving something extra that people want to want to see. And, you know, you know, Pete's actually, he's got some assistance over there, but um, just continue putting out content. And it's just kind of more of the way of content is going to be put out. And this isn't going to change. Um, you know, I love Sports Illustrated. I was a Sports Illustrated kid. I'm one of the few, I am one of the minority who will sit down and read one of these extremely long pieces. Um, it's not the norm here in 2019. So, you know, obviously I wish Pete, all the best with you know this venture. Uh, check out the stuff obviously at Browns Maven on Twitter. Uh, obviously on SI, you click on Cleveland Browns, you're going to get put over to Pete and his work. So go ahead, check that out. Uh, follow Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Excuse me, um, battling cold here, guys. I'm doing the best I can. The at Locked On Browns Twitter account, all lowercase. Uh, DMs are always open. It's always a follow back account. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open over there. Uh, I'm excited going into this, um, this Monday night game. It's a little brutal as far as, you know, the time and the way we got to manage the schedule because, you know, once Monday night football is over, you know, it puts a lot more work on my plate, which I enjoy, but it also kind of confuses the way the content comes out. I'm going to do my best to manage that here as now it's the second Monday night game and I'm a little bit more familiar with how we can do it all for you guys. So we'll continue to do that. 
appreciate you guys being along for the ride. And obviously, you know, with what Pete said, the Browns being good and, you know, having aspirations and everything right now, it's helping everybody. It makes the work easier to do, makes it more enjoyable to do, but it also makes it a little more difficult. And you're trying to put out some really, really good content as opposed to saying Hugh Jackson sucks. And, oh, my God, I cannot wait for the draft in April. That is not where we're at currently. So there is that aspect of it all. Uh, so we will put a bow on this here. Um, Monday Night Football. Let's see if he gets something tomorrow. You do have a little family plans where I can actually get away and I don't have to be glued to the television all day long. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but this has been your pregame show. Appreciate everybody. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.